Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary. Uh, my name is Peter Klein, joined today by my co-host, my cat. Say hi to Bailey, everyone. Um, I'm going to post a blooper later, but uh, this is take two of the podcast. Uh, but Bailey just had a lot of thoughts that needed to get out. So if you're only listening, that this is going to all sound very weird. But uh, yes, my name is Peter Klein. Thank you so much for downloading and for listening. Oh, for, uh, for you watching me and my cat on YouTube. Uh, right now. You can get in touch with me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Uh, coming up on the show today, some big stories coming out of UFC 292. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays offense maybe gets a major boost at the right time, and we continue our NFL preview looking at the best players in the league. So, thank you all so much for listening today. All right. She's knocking the microphone away from my mouth. Um, Okay, so let's start with the Ultimate Fighting Championship. As Sean O'Malley put on a fantastic show at UFC 292, a star-making night for Sean O'Malley as he picks up a win over Aljamain Sterling. The finish comes in the second round. Um, If you want a more technical breakdown of the fight, I did that on uh, the Instant Reaction podcast. That went up last night. Um, So check that one out wherever you can. Um, but in terms of like what this means for the UFC and kind of the storylines coming out of this, this is, it has the feeling of being the next big thing for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. I don't always agree with everything that Sean O'Malley says, but he gets a lot of things where like he gets the importance of social media. He gets the, the whole media thing. Um, he gets the importance of putting on a show as a fighter. Um, he kind of gets how 24 seven it has to be to, to be a superstar in the ultimate fighting championship. And so he, uh, I think he, he legitimately does have the potential to kind of be the next big thing for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And we've talked about it before, how there have been some swings and misses on this, right? Sage Northcutt was going to be the guy. Paige Van Zandt was going to be the girl. Uh, it, it was going to be the, this whole brand new thing. And uh, it turns out that wasn't necessarily the case. Yes, hi, Bailey. Thank you. Um, oh, you, you think Sage Northcutt still could be? Okay. Um, but no, like it's... It, it, it is, a I think, a big deal that the UFC has this type of a guy now who is running the show now at um, a weight class that typically has not been the biggest draw for them. Dominic Cruz was a star. Uh, aside from that, Piotr Jan, I don't think he moved the needle a whole lot. Aljamain Sterling did in a negative way. People, for some reason, did not like that dude. Uh, and now Sean O'Malley, I think, can breathe life into this division. Again, from a, a star-making standpoint. From an MMA standpoint, I don't think it's ever really been an issue. But from a, a superstar standpoint, he he can make this division be a draw now in in ways that it wasn't necessarily before. Um, and it, it, was, it was a great showing as well. Um, like, he is... Oh smooth uh he is a a fighter who was able to put on an excellent performance as well like that's the big part of this as well it's not just oh he he gets the social media aspect of things oh he does this he does that no 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 no. he is also someone who is very good at the face punching and face punch he did on saturday night he caught aljermaine sterling coming in he made aljermaine sterling come to him and instead of the challenger being the one who was nervous, and he said he was nervous after the fight, but instead of the challenger being the one who looked nervous, it was Aljamain Sterling who got a little bit reckless, made the first mistake, and it ended up costing him, and Sean O'Malley made him pay for it. So just an excellent, excellent performance on a, a big night, I think, for Sean O'Malley. But you do have to feel for Aljamain Sterling. Um, he... 
like I said, you could just put a yeah but on every title fight that he had. And that's that, that really is unfair. As someone who, uh, you can't see today because I, I have a window open, but that red picture frame over my shoulder there is uh, a Kawhi Leonard picture. So I know, like, the everyone talking about uh, the, the asterisks around the Raptors and all of those things, that, that can be incredibly frustrating. And I wasn't even on the team. Um, so for Aljamain Sterling to, to kind of have his entire legacy questioned has to be incredibly frustrating. And then tr- for people to boo him, like I... I feel like Aljamain Sterling's kind of a likable dude, um, which is always a sentence that can get you in trouble in the fight game. People can call up 80 different clips, and then you, you feel like an idiot. But he is someone who I feel like had a, a lot of potential to, to be kind of a, a big star. And just for whatever reason, the people didn't seem to get behind him. Um, you can make a couple of assumptions, I'm sure, especially about the, the Boston crowd. And we talked about that last night as well. But you just feel bad for the guy. Um, he makes one mistake in four fights, and it ends up costing him. Now, how he got the belt, again, controversial. Um, he was losing that fight, and he gets kneed in the head, which, like, it's not his fault. He didn't decide to knee himself in the head, and so because of that, he's the champion. Then he legitimately goes out and beats Piotr Jan in, in the rematch, but then after that, it's TJ Dillashaw is hurt. Um, it's Henry Cejudo is old, and now it's Sean O'Malley is punching you in the face. It's, it is it is a really, really tough stretch for Aljamain Sterling, so you do have to kind of feel... For him, uh, other stories coming out of this one: Ian Gary with a big performance, but I, I wanted it to be bigger. I, I thought he could have had a finish. I thought every time that Neil Magny, who is just very clearly a, a UFC vet, we talked about it on the preview show. He's been around since UFC 157. He fought on the Facebook prelims on the same night that the women's uh, women's divisions in UFC were born. The the very first time he was on that card. He debuted on that show, so he's been around a minute. Apparently, he hasn't trained fighting Southpaw. Um, far be it for me to criticize the, the fighting styles of Neil Magny, but I was surprised at how uncomfortable he seemed fighting Southpaw. What we're, like, a lot of times you will see people can do it. Like, there's obviously one hand they're more effective with than the other, but guys can actually do it. He just wouldn't, and his lead leg beat up, be damned. And I, I just thought every time that left leg was in front, that it should have been just like a video game, spamming leg kick, leg kick, leg kick, leg kick, leg kick, um, or faint a leg kick, come up top, bing, bang, boom. I, I thought Gary probably could have had a finish in, in this bout. Again, impressive performance, but if he wants to break out of the Conor McGregor shadow or become kind of the next Conor McGregor, he's going to have to figure out a way to to kind of make his own mark, and he didn't in this one, uh, to a certain extent, anyway. And Zhang Wei Li was just excellent. Uh, a dynamic performance, setting the record for the biggest striking margin in the history of the uh, of women's UFC. Just a, a remarkable, remarkable performance from Zhang Wei Li in a, a fight that didn't have a whole lot of hype and kind of went exactly how you, you thought it would, but it was a methodical dissection of someone who would just, like, by the end of it, was like, ah, I probably didn't need to be in there for that one that that was just an incredible performance from Zhang Wei Li and now we're less than a month away from getting the last style bender uh, Israel Adesanya I, I cannot wait for this fight coming up so uh that is our breakdown again we're gonna have a, a little bit more on the, the fight game coming up on uh fights in football Friday uh but now let's get into uh, a little bit about the Toronto Blue Jays it was a good weekend for the Blue Jays as they take two out of three from the Cincinnati Reds. And again, the one that they don't get feels very attainable. And that is something that I think does have to give you some promise. Like it's, at this point, it just kind of feels like this Blue Jays team is just going to be, excuse me, in close game after close game after close game, with the exception of Sunday. A, that type of experience can help you out. But B, it does feel like if there's just like a 2% better this team can get to, then 
like that that Mariners series loss turns into probably a sweep for them. That Orioles season loss uh, series loss turns into them winning three out of four. This series win turns into a sweep. Like if they can, ju- and that was one of the things we were arguing for around the trade deadline. If you could just get incrementally better, that this team isn't that far away from just beating everybody. And you can say that about a lot of teams. That that is part of the sport is you, you have to execute, and a lot of it comes down to one and two run games. Very rarely are you going to have big blowouts. But this Blue Jays team plays in particularly a lot of them. And so it would be nice if you could get Bo Bichette back to, to where he was at. Uh, if Vladdy could find his MVP form of 2021 or even just be in the same ballpark as it, that would be great. You know, like it's it just some of those those little incremental gains can really help get this team. And now I'm not going to say this is the game because we, we did this with the Flames all year where they, they would have a bit of a rut, but then they would have one really good game. Hey, is this the one that'll break them out? And then it wasn't. Uh, we've done with this with the Blue Jays, right? Like, they, they pick up uh, 11 runs against the Cubs. Hey, is this going to be the one? Well, they got shot out by the Reds, so probably not. But it, it does have to give you a bit of confidence that this team was able to go in against a, a hot young team in the Cincinnati Reds and beat them up in that last game and take that that series win. Now, it is undoubtedly the biggest series of the season for the Blue Jays. They still, because of how good the Mariners have been playing, they still find themselves on the outside looking in in the playoff picture right now. The Astros are a bit more attainable after th- this weekend with the, the Mariners, I believe, sweeping them. So Toronto does have a number of options now when you're, you're looking at things, but I, I think they would still like the division to be in play. This is the last time, you, I believe, the last time they're going to play Baltimore this season. That is absolutely a group that the Blue Jays need to come out and make a statement against. Like, hey, we are here. We're not just going to be this little wildcard team that's going to float off into the night. That This is a, a Blue Jays team to be taken seriously. And so we, we will see. Odds are it's probably not going to go well for them because it hasn't this year against Baltimore. Um, but I, I do think that this last game. This is the last time I will fall for the, this team has a bit of life left in them. Just a, a couple of quick notes. Uh, Paul DeYoung has been designated for assignment, um, so he's probably played his last game as a Toronto Blue Jay. Maybe not. It doesn't necessarily mean that he um, has to just go away, but it usually means he goes away. Uh, it's it, It's been a disaster. Luckily, they didn't give up a ton for him, but it just really highlights the fact that this team needed to do more at the at the trade deadline. Um, but the pitching continues to just absolutely deal. Like, just incredible performance after incredible performance, up and down. And I think that is the reason why, if you had the... Um, if you had the rules where the top teams got to pick who they played in the first round, I mean, Baltimore's probably picking Toronto just because they've had the success, but I don't know how many teams would be picking a series against the Blue Jays just because you could go like Gosman, Barrios, Bassett, one, two, three, Kikuchi as a long man if one of those things goes wrong, or Kikuchi in for Bassett or whatever. The Blue Jays have options and that they have what has been a dominant pitching staff, and now that bullpen with an 8-9 combination of Hicks and Romano looks really good. Uh, Swanson looks strong. Meza's had some great outings this year. Uh, he had a tough one uh, a couple of nights ago, but aside from that, like he's been very good, and I think you could put, like I said, the two starters that you aren't using in a wildcard series, you could put Ryu and Kikuchi, or Ryu and Bassett, or whoever it is, into... Um, into the bullpen for postseason series. So the Blue Jays have options, and they have a lot of hope. They just need to get just, just a little bit better. 
All right, let's continue our NFL previews as we get ready for the 2023-2024 season. This week, we're looking at just the best players in the league. This has nothing to do with fantasy. This is just who I think are the 10 best players in the league right now. And I'm going to be doing this for all the leagues. It just works out that we're doing this for the NFL at this point. Probably going to do it for like our NBA preview, our NHL preview, uh, and then probably going to do it once the CFL season is done and the baseball season is done as well. But just, it, I think it's nice to just kind of like reset, like, okay, where are we right now? Like, oh, this is the top five player in the league. Is he? Let, let's find out. So went through, ranked him today. Um, I'm not going to do uh, honorable mention to every fucking player in the league. You're in the NFL. You're very good at football. So uh, at number 10, we're going to go quarterback Josh Allen. I, I think that this is a big year for him. I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on Buffalo a little bit. Uh, most people picking them to win the division, rightfully so. But I, I think Josh Allen coming off of a disappointing playoff performance after an all-time playoff performance, this is going to be a, a year for him to prove himself. I think Buffalo is at an interesting point. I'm surprised they didn't go out and address pass catcher this offseason, where it's still just Stephon Diggs and kind of everyone else. I'll do respect Gabe, Dade, uh, Gabe Davis. But I, I think Josh Allen, he is that team's passing game. Obviously, he's the quarterback, but he's also the running game as well. And that makes him, I think, one of the top players in the league. At nine, it's Chris Jones. We talked about him in the Difference Makers uh, section. Chris Jones is certainly that dude. At eight, it is Trent Williams. Again, uh, such an important part of what San Francisco is doing on the offensive line. At seven, we are going to put Joe Burrow in. Yes, I have Joe Burrow ahead of Josh Allen. We talked about difference makers. This is a guy who is absolutely a difference maker. Yes, I talk with a pencil in my hand. Um, this is a guy who is absolutely a difference maker. I have cat hair everywhere. Sorry. He completely changed his franchise around. Like, just he himself has flipped with a couple of other players, of course, but basically he himself has just flipped the dynamic of this franchise around. Um, so because of that, I think he's very deserving of being in that number seven spot here for the, the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, I think he is, uh, spoiler alert for the, the next few picks, I think he's the, best, the second best quarterback in the league. And I, I think we are setting up for just some epic showdowns between Mahomes and Burrow the rest of the way. Uh, in their careers. Like, I, I think this is a real, like, Manning-Brady type of a, a situation here. At six, Justin Jefferson. I, I think he is now the best receiver in, in the NFL. And I would love to see what he could do with a real quarterback, to be perfectly honest. I think Kirk Cousins is kind of just a guy. But the, the way pay structures are with quarterbacks now, it's going to be tough to get him lined up with a a high-level quarterback unless Minnesota bottoms out this year and they're able to, to draft one. But he he himself can can really make this offense, and I think he himself with just smooth route running, there, there kind of isn't anything he can't do on a football field as a wide receiver. So that's why he gets this number six spot here. At five, it's Nick Bosa, a true game wrecker on the defensive line, and it's just what when he gets going, it really is like a video game where that X factor gets unlocked, and he's just he is unstoppable. You you have to absolutely alter game plans around him. Same thing goes for Miles Garrett at four, just an absolute beast. And if Cleveland is going to do anything this year, it's not going to be because of their piece of shit quarterback. It's going to be because of the, the guy who they have patrolling on the defensive line. And he comes in at number four for our top 10 NFL players this season countdown. At three, it's Aaron Donald. This one is a bit of a uh, lifetime achievement award. I don't know how effective he was a season ago, injuries and, and whatnot. But when he is right, when he is healthy, and when he is going, this is one of the best players in the National Football League. And, and someone who 
can change a game in a way few have ever been able to from that specific position. At two, I have Micah Parsons. Um, I think he's the best defensive player in the league. I think he can kind of do it all from that that edge spot. Um, you want to call him... It, it was even at the point they did position drafts this year um, on Move the Sticks, and they were talking, well, is he the number one pick at linebacker or is he the number one pick at defensive end? And you can make a very compelling case for both, but his his speed, his quickness, his athleticism, and his drive to get to the quarterback makes him uh, a game wrecker. Uh, and he is all right when he has to, to drop back and just be a linebacker. He's great in run coverage as well. He really is kind of a master of all trades and uh, a real gem uh, on the defensive side of the ball for the Dallas Cowboys. And then number one, it's no question. It's Patrick Mahomes. I, I think Patrick Mahomes is the most talented football player I have ever seen. Uh, certainly the most talented quarterback I have ever seen. And he he's getting the resume now that backs it up back to back, or not back to back, but a, a two-time Super Bowl champion. So that is our list of the 10 best players in the NFL. Our NFL previews continue tomorrow. We have our fourth fantasy draft, which means we're drafting from the no number four position. We got a bit of a surprise at number three. That is available in the Fights in Football Friday episode. I am going to put it up as its own thing a little bit later on but right now if you want to get caught up on it that's where you can go and the first two uh, mock drafts are available they're all available as podcasts and they're all going to be available on YouTube as well so that is coming up on Tuesday on Wednesday we are doing another top 10 list of the, the top NFL players of all time and we are also uh, no we're not going to do another mock draft that is going to be saved for Thursday it's also going to be CFL Power Rankings Day so we're going to get into that and probably some reaction to the first Blue Jays game of the series against Baltimore. Thursday, it's mock draft number five. Friday, it is mock draft number six. And then we look at overvalued teams. And then we look at overvalued players in fantasy football. So a lot of football talk still to come this week. Thank you all so much for downloading. Thank you all so much for listening. Also, wrestling fans, you see uh, the psychosis and the wrestling championship in the background there. Uh, wrestling fans haven't forgot about you. A phenomenal night at, at Wild Rose uh, Wrestling up at the Genesis Center. Definitely check them out next time they are in town. And uh, AEW, all in. All in? All out. One of them. There's an AEW show this weekend. They're all something. Um, and so you can check that one out on pay-per-view. And then we are going to have a preview for it. And then at some point in the weekend, a post show for it as well. So thank you all so much for listening. Again, social media, Twitter, Instagram. I'm at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. And you can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. I will talk to you all later.